This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. You don't know what it's like to be hungry, and, and yes, I do. Jesus understands completely what we go through and why we do it. He understands. You know, he was tempted in all forms, the bride of Hebrews says, but did not fall into temptation. And of course, temptation is not a sin. When you're tempted, it's not a sin. The enemy tempts you, it's all the enemies tempt to me. That's not a sin. It's when you fall into temptation, when you follow that. That's where the sin comes. Jesus did not commit it, he was without sin. Have you ever been angry with Jesus? Have you ever thought that Jesus doesn't understand the struggles that you have? In today's message, Pastor Eddie talks about how Jesus understands the difficulties you face in life. Jesus was tempted in his life, just like you are. In the Bible, you learn that God will never give you a challenge that you cannot conquer. If you put your trust in him, he will help you overcome anything in your life. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Mark chapter 10 as he continues his message, Paul's Gratitude for God's mercy. We serve a master, yet we're not serving, but our master served. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said this, for even the Son of Man, speaking of himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give himself as a ransom for men. He was faithful, faithful unto the cross. He set the perfect example of serving. Saints, you, you may not be called in leadership role to teach the scripture, however you're called to minister the gospel and serve. And so Paul was Enabled by the Lord, he was counted faithful by the Lord, he was put into ministry by the Lord, and boy, is, was Paul grateful. He was grateful, and that's what this passage is. He's grateful for the mercies of God. Why was he grateful? Because of the mercy of God. When Paul looks back at his life, at who he was before the cross, and he sees how God now enables him, counts him faithful, and now puts him in the ministry, he can only attribute that to the mercy of God. And let's look at verse 13. He's going to give a little background of who he was. Although I was formerly a blasphemer. Now, a blasphemer is a person who speaks disrespectfully about God in order to damage God's reputation. So he said, although I was formerly a blasphemer and a prosecutor, before his conversion, Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, sought to persecute the followers of Christ by arresting them and imprisoning them. You find that also in Acts chapter 9. He himself will share his story in Acts chapter 22. He said, and an insolent man, not only did Paul persecute and arrested the followers of Christ, but he also proved the murder of the first Christian the martyr, uh, Stephen, found in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, the chapter just before he gave his life to the Lord, he was behind the murder of Stephen. 
He said, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a prosecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. <laughs> now, I'm sure there have been times when the Apostle Paul had to look back and say, this is the man I was. I was a blasphemer. I blasphemed God, Jesus Christ. I persecuted a church, even was behind the murder of Stephen and maybe other Christians. I was a violent, insolent man. But the mercy, but I obtained mercy. He probably questioned God, Lord, why me? Why me? There is nothing in my resume, in my background, that would qualify me to be put into the ministry, let alone for you to enable me and to find me faithful. Why? But then Paul attributed this all to the mercy of God. But I obtained mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is not receiving the punishment you deserve. That's mercy. Paul received, did not receive the punishment he deserved. He did not receive the punishment he deserved because ignorantly in unbelief. He was ignorant. He didn't believe in the Lord. And because of that, there is mercy. And you know, when we look at this, the same was for you and the same was for me. Before we received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, before we were born again, before we became a believer, we deserved the wrath of God. Why? Because we live ignorantly in unbelief. We lived in sin. We were enemies of God. We were the reason why he died on the cross. However, because of God's love, his amazing grace, and his mercy, he did not give us what we deserved. You're still here, aren't you? <laughs> the grace of God. Know this, is that whatever we go through in life, understand that Jesus Christ, and you read Hebrews, the rite of Hebrews tells us that Jesus, the high priest, he knows what we go through. We have this thing that Christ, Jesus, you don't understand what it is to be tempted. Oh, yes, I do. Jesus, you don't know what it's like to have people betray you. Oh, yes, I do. Jesus, you don't know what it's like to be hungry, and, and yes, I do. Jesus understands completely what we go through and why we do it. He understands. You know, he was tempted in all forms, the bride of Hebrews says, but did not fall into temptation. And of course, temptation is not a sin. When you're tempted, it's not a sin. The enemy tempts you. It's all the enemies sent to me. That's not a sin. It's when you fall into temptation, when you follow that. That's where the sin comes. Jesus did not commit it. He was without sin. But the bride of Hebrew writes this, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 2. He, speaking of Jesus can have companion of those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. During his earthly ministry, he was subject to all these things. Jesus had compassion. He had mercy towards us as he did with the apostle Paul. And that, let me tell you, 
He never, God never, and his son Jesus Christ never, ever, ever ran out of mercy. There was never a time when God did not have mercy, love, or grace. There was never a time. In fact, even at the cross, when Jesus was on the cross, there was mercy. As they nailed him to the cross, instead of eyes that burned with hate, it was with love. He looked upon those who crucified him with love, and he said in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. As they spat on him and they mocked him, they beat him. Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Even the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, at the very end, at the cross, there was mercy. You know, it doesn't matter the life you live in the past. The world wants to look at your past. The enemy wants you to look at your past. It doesn't matter the life you lived in the past. It doesn't matter the type of sins you committed, how many times you committed. When you surrender to Jesus Christ, your past, all your sins are forgiven and washed away. And you're a new creation. Because he made you new, he is the one that enables you. He is the one that finds you faithful. He is the one that puts you in ministry. We always tend to allow the enemy to bring condemnation. Whenever he reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. <laughs> he will be destroyed and put in a lake of fire at the very end. He definitely will. And he has. We deserve the wrath of God, but because of his son and his grace and his love, he has had mercy on us. Verse 14, he says, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith, love, which are in Christ Jesus. Now, not only did Paul receive the mercy of God, he received the grace of God. Grace is undeserved, unearned, freely given favor. And the grace given to Paul was exceedingly abundant. It overflowed beyond expectations. The grace of God turned this persecutor into a preacher. He turned this murderer into a minister and a missionary. And that's what God does. It's amazing the lives that the Lord changes. and turn. You know, if he could do it for Paul, he could do it for anybody. There's a man in prison, state prison, that committed murder. And 10 years while in prison, he surrendered his life to Christ. He was hated. He made the news all over New York City. And now he gives Bible studies in the cells, in the prisons. I happen to know Several Calvary Chapel pastors that have visited him personally is genuine. The world may not forgive him. That's okay because the world can't save him anyway. What matters is that God forgive him. So nobody would ever thought, yeah, the son, well, let him stay in there, let him rot. You know, they say, oh, everybody goes to prison, they find God. But not when you understand the Bible, <laughs> not when you're teaching the Bible, <laughs> and it's genuine. God could change anybody. The grace of the Lord was abundant for Paul, overflowed beyond expectations. 
And the grace of God overflows beyond expectation for each and every one of us. The same with Paul. Everything that Paul describes about God and how merciful he was towards him, love and grace, applies to each and every one of us. Paul didn't have anything special that you can't have or you haven't received already. God shows partiality to no man. We look at Paul and say, wow, Paul, Paul. No, but yeah, you, you, you. God loves you just as much as he loved Paul. He died for Paul as he died for you. It's the same. He loves you as much as he loves Paul. He loves you too, equally. And he can give you the same gifts that he's given to Paul. And so this grace overflowed, and he's grateful for this grace Even though you look back at his past, there's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Romans chapter 5 verse 20 says, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Sin can never outdo the grace of God. No matter how sinful a person can be, the grace of God can penetrate through that person and God has grace, mercy upon that person. Verse 15 says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. It's a faithful saying. Trust, no, it's trustworthy. It's worthy of all acceptance. In other words, it should be accepted. What is this truth? That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That is it. He came into the world to save sinners. The main reason why Jesus left his throne and came into the world to save man at the cross of Calvary. Not so that we can have a nice little manger scene during Christmas on our lawn or see the little baby Jesus on a Christmas card. He came to die on the cross for the sins of the world. He came to save man. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John three seventeen. for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Sinners. That's the very reason why the son of man came into the world. Fulfilling the prophecy, Emmanuel, means, which means God with us. Now, in the beginning and during Paul's ministry, the Lord worked with ministry with Paul, and Paul was never ashamed of that, and you could find it in his writings. He is he's a humble man, and he's so grateful that God has saved him in spite of his past. When he says, I am, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I am the chief of all sinners. Now, during the beginning, in the middle of his ministry, you could find how it changes from, think about it. This is towards the end of his ministry. This is probably one of the last letters Paul wrote. And it's just a matter of days, he's going to be beheaded. And he's considered himself the chief of all sinners. At the very end of his ministry, that's not prideful. I've seen a lot of prideful ministers. Oh, I've been 30 or 50 years in the ministry. And you still haven't learned to be humble. In the beginning of ministry, he said at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, he, he identified himself as the least apostle. He says, well, I am the least of the apostle whom I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I'm not worthy of the apostles. I'm the least When it comes to the saints, he says, while in prison, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, to me, 
who am least, less than the least of all the saints. It progresses. Now he's forgetting about titles and being the least of the titles. He says, I'm the chief of all sinners. You know, that's the way we ought to grow. Humble ourselves. Humble yourself. However, as the apostle Paul, towards the end of his ministry, he calls himself chief of sinners. And what happened with Paul should work with us too. The more we comprehend it, we take the weight and the extent of our sinfulness, life, the life we lived, the better we can grasp the magnitude and scope of God's forgiveness and grace at work in our lives. The more you understand where you've been, who you are, and what God has done for you, the more you understand. Say, man, I don't deserve the Lord. I'm not talking about, you know, the fake, oh, it's not me, it's the Lord. Or, you know, I'm talking about sincere. Keep it, you know, just be real, be genuine. You don't have to share everyone that you're trying to, oh, I'm a humble man. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm humble. Paul learned at the end of his ministry, I haven't learned anything. And that's the right heart to have. We need to constantly learn and let the Holy Spirit continue to work in our lives that we may grow. And the Holy Spirit will filter those things that are in our life, continue to strip away the things that are not like Christ, to strip away the flesh and pride. Strip it away. And Paul now is getting this at the end. Chief of all sinners. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who... I am chief. What Paul is saying here, in other words, is if Christ can save a man like me, a blasphemer, persecutor, a violent man, he could save anybody. And he's going to go on. Look what he says in verse 16. However, for this reason I obtain mercy. Why? Read on. That in me, first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. My life is a testimony, Paul is saying. If you were to ask the people around Paul's day, who would be the last person you think would follow Jesus Christ, would be part of that group called The Way? Those Christians who believe in that man that was accursed on the cross. Who would be the last person to be a Christian? Uh, that would be Paul. Uh, Saul Tarsus, Paul. But when you see someone like Paul, who pretty much was a scholar of the scriptures, I can imagine his classmates at rabbinical school saying, Oy vey, Paul knew the scriptures? Now he's following these Christians? Yes, he found Jesus in every page. Paul says, God had mercy on me as a blasphemer, persecutor, a violent man. And so they could use him as a prime example of the long-suffering and the patience that God has towards the worst of sinners, all sinners. Never give up on anybody. Never say, oh, I don't think that person's going to accept the Lord. Never. That's not your place, first of all. That is not your place. Never say that. The more difficult it gets, the more you ought to be praying about it. The more it should get you excited. Oh, this is a challenge, but not for the Lord. Maybe a challenge for me. Maybe he's not going to give me the time of day. Maybe he stopped giving me the time of day. But it's not going to be a challenge for the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. 
He did it for Paul. He does it for murderers. And so when they see that, others will realize that this Jesus is real. That God is patient. God is patient even for a man like Paul, a persecutor of the church. And this is why Peter, when he writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, this is what Peter writes. The Lord is not slacking concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I wonder, when I read this passage, I wonder if Peter wrote this and looking at Paul. I just wonder, I'm not saying this is what inspired him, but... You know, he knew Paul at this time. You know, he's probably said, wow. And as he prayed, the Lord told him to write the first, his second epistle. He said, wow, the Lord's not slacking. He probably had Paul in mind when he wrote this. Saints, if God is patient, long-suffering to a man like Paul, and for you and I, how much patience you think he has for everyone else. Think about how much patience God had towards you in your life. Even before the cross, and even after the cross, God had patience with me, and still, as a believer, he has patience with me. How much patience God has given you? A lot. I don't need you to tell me. I know the answer. We serve the same God. He's like that. He shows partiality to no man. And how much patience God continues to give us a lot. And so, with that said, you know that God had patience towards you. We need to be patient to the soul of Tarsus in our day. We need to be patient with others, unbelievers, because God had patient with us. We need to be patient with those who are in the church with one another because God has been patient with us. In the same way, now at this point of Paul's letter to Timothy, after Paul looked back at his life as a blasphemer, persecutor, violent man, after receiving the mercies of God, after receiving the grace of God, overflowing, He now breaks out into a spontaneous praise here in verse 17. A doxology is what we will call. Look at verse 17. Because of all this is what he has to say. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Have you ever wondered why there are so many letters written in the New Testament? 1 Timothy is just one of many letters that gives you some insights into the ministry that was happening after the time that Jesus lived here on earth. There were struggles and there were successes, but you realize that as great as these missionaries and pastors were, they also were just human. They had strengths, weaknesses, discouragements, and moments of triumph. Isn't it great to know and to relate to people in the Bible? They're spiritual pillars in some ways. 
but you come to realize that they were people that God used, just like He can use you in this time and place. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Once again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll refer to our website for additional resources that include hearing these messages again or learning about the church behind the ministry. Join us again for another edition of Running the Race.